So without recapping on all the recent sermons that we've heard, one of what I want to say is, is last week, Pastor Phil finished with the culmination, the realisation and the really strong point that everything that we have comes from God. When we come to that place of everything and the acknowledgement that he is our everything and that everything comes from him, then we are in the most humble place to move forwards. I saw a wonderful example of this acknowledgement at a, a wedding. I was very blessed in my roles. I'm very happy, very blessed, very humbled by opportunities to um, be part of people's wedding celebrations and their very special moments in life. Last night, I had a privilege of um, going to a wedding of one of our couples, Mr. Peter and Mrs. Annie Carmichael. Give it a cheer. Come on, give it a cheer. I said, Carmichael, they're watching, probably be like watching online like they normally do. So, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Carmichael. As part of Peter's speech, though, last night, I, wedding after wedding, I've been to, and God is a big part of lots of weddings. But yesterday, something was very special. Peter, as part of his speech, acknowledged the importance of the church family. There was a very distinct moment, and this is all supposed to be about the bride and the groom and the celebrations, and there was a distinct moment where, during his speech, he beautifully acknowledged the support and the love that he's felt from this fellowship, from his Christian family, and he acknowledged that. But on this very special day, he jumped up to give the speech that always revolves around the bride. And he said, to be honest, it's possibly the first wedding where I've ever seen this. He made a big deal of talking it up, the one that's changed my life, the important one in my life, the one that is the love of my life. And I'm thinking, oh, he's going to point to his beautiful wife. First time ever, he said, I first and foremost want to acknowledge God. And that, in the church context, might seem like that's not such a big light bulb. We probably should be doing that anyway. But the fact it was a standout at a, at a wedding says it doesn't always happen. So it was just a... It really lined up with, I guess, that acknowledgement that everything comes from him. First and foremost, everything God. And before Pastor Phil comes back, so he's actually got the opportunity to be preaching at another church in, a, in an Arla this morning, so be praying for that, praying for lives to be changed and souls to be saved over there. He's, he's pre preaching at a church over in Anala. I'm going to share this before he does because um, last night I had the opportunity to live out his other illustration, the one where he was driving the wrong way, <laughs> in the wrong lane because all of them were heading towards me. I'm in the city, in the city, Brisbane city, middle of a Saturday night, let's say six o'clock. There's lots of things happening and my navigation system sent me slightly, slightly the wrong way and a slight inconvenience. I believe I was okay. I'm not even acknowledging, I'm not talking about my wife. I'm not even going to blame her because the navigation system, it was speaking to and telling us clearly to go a certain way when we clearly should have gone the other way. But at no point did it tell me to go up a one-way street. That one was, 
all on me. So we ended up turning. Did I mention there was also cars following us? <laughs> and if, if you ever are considering asking me, I have driven for a couple of weddings before, but if you ever consider asking me, please don't ask me to be your driver for your wedding. But um, as I decided... <sighs> Because I lived in this part of town for a few years, I decided that I knew a shortcut and I might know best because I'd already lost faith and trust in the navigation system. That is, I promise you, I am not referring to my wife. I am referring to the phone that had the over that side of the car. I turned left up a one, two, three, four lanes of one-way traffic and so did the car behind me I wasn't mentioning any names and so there was this we could have we could have met Jesus a little bit earlier than than he had planned church practice humility When all the cars are coming towards you, I, I actually want to clarify, and I'm going to jokes aside for a second. When all the cars are coming towards you, if God has told you, this is the way you're going. If God has told you, then I want to encourage you, go that way. Regardless how many people, the hundreds or thousands seem to be coming towards you, if God has said, can I clarify that? If God said go, my response should be yes now if we're talking about humility. And I'm saying that in all strength and purpose, not because I'm heading in the wrong, wrong direction if everyone else is coming because I might still be in the right direction. Last night, however, God didn't say turn left. Yeah. <laughs> that was all on me. How humbling. I won't be giving directions or instructions for some time. <laughs> Hasn't broken my confidence. I still kept on driving. We made our way there. We had a, it was a great celebration. But, okay, moving right along. For weeks now, in preparation of this morning's sermon, every single scripture, every portion of scripture that I've been reading has highlighted how many times the Bible speaks of, even whether it, whether it uses the word humble or humility or not, it speaks of, it teaches humility. Every single portion of the Bible I've been reading, and we, as our family devotion, we've been reading Jeremiah. In preparation for a sermon, I literally have covered every book from Genesis to Revelation. And every portion, no, I haven't read that this week, and no, I'm not saying that's because I'm holier than thou. I'm just saying, as part of my sermon prep, the way God works with me, he goes, bang, look at that, bang, look at that, bang, look at that. And I just take notes, take notes, take notes, and then I put it all out before and I go what is this <laughs> and thankfully my God has never let me down he's always gone here's what I'm saying not here's what I'm just here's what I'm saying but here's what I believe is a message for the church and it's all about humility and the importance of being humble perhaps Saint Augustine was not exaggerating when he wrote the quote almost the whole of Christian teaching is about humility. 
But with all the teachings in the Bible, why do we still get it wrong? My hand was the first to go up. I win. I'm the... No. Um, Why is it so hard? Why is humility so hard? Why do we easily step into pride? Is it because it's so easily done? Sometimes pride can be subtle, like prioritizing self above others. It can be really subtle. I want to be the first because there's a good food there. I want to grab that. It can be, I want to be at the front of the line because I want to be the first to have a go or do this. Prioritizing, even subtly, it's pride when we put ourselves above others. Already presuming that the other person, sorry, another way is when we already presume that what another person is going to say. We don't pause to really hear their heart or hear what they're saying about something. But to be honest, and I'm going to keep going down the theme of transparent. You're going to get a bit of transparent, Jamie, today. At other times, it's not so subtle. For me, I feel when this is, I'm, is when I'm ranting about how someone shouldn't be doing something. Or I start to rant about what they should be doing And that normally is attached to the way I do it. When I start ranting and speaking that way, I start to catch myself and actually it's Holy Spirit. More and more and more I find that Holy Spirit steps in and reminds me that I'm making a judgment, often an uneducated opinion, about someone else's life or situation. And he, my God, Holy Spirit, lovingly says, here's the voice of my God, Jamie, that's not how I see this situation. And more importantly, this is not how I see this person. And then I'm often filled with regret. And sometimes I'll cry in the process of repentance. When my God speaks to me with love, he corrects me, it changes me. And sometimes that causes me, and I'm keeping using the word me, but I'm going to keep it personal for a moment, causes me to realise that I've elevated my opinion above his. It causes me to unlearn, unlearn to trust in myself and learn to trust in him. Unlearn to listen to my own words, my own voices, my own opinions, and learn to listen to his and his alone. But it's not easy. I still get it wrong. And I think personally, this is why what makes humility so difficult. I guess one reason might also be because we're trained or conditioned from a young age to take pride in our work. Have pride in our achievements. Take pride in myself. However, I know this is never done with the motivation of leading them to choose pride. But that's when we, we're their kids and we, we're speaking to them in that way. Well done, great achievement. I believe in praise for our children. I believe it encourages the behaviour and the responses that we want to see. It's like the glue that makes that behaviour stick that we would like to see. 
But if it never comes with the flip side, we end up with an entitled child. And we say things like, stop being so entitled. It's not all about you. Generally, somewhere in their late sort of... I'm not even going to say. You know if you've got kids. And this, so I'm going to say that again, we end up telling them to stop being so entitled. It's not all about you. And to be honest with you, I believe this is pretty much the beginning and the end of us teaching our children how to be humble. Because we want them to know their worth. We want, to, want them to have healthy self-esteem because that's what's going to en- enable them to have go at things. We want them to, to build them up. We, yes, yes, we want them to know that they have value and worth and dreams and visions and purpose and gifts. And these are all the truth. But this must come with a teaching that all of this is never just for your benefit. Not for your own sake. Not for your own self-promotion. There must be that realisation somewhere along and that generally comes with a teaching. But this teaching, it's not only essential for kids, is it? We can see the adults that still wrestle with this. Not my place to judge, not my opinion to make. Maybe for this one, let's stop thinking of other people and just, just reflect on self. Because it's imperative that we understand how dangerous pride is for the health of our souls and how greatly it hinders our intimacy with God and our love for others. It's compulsory that we teach and model humility to our children and to those that are entrusted to us in mentoring, through discipleship, in reaching out to those who don't know Jesus yet. But when I say modeling humility, I don't mean being a mat for everybody. That's not humility. That's having no self-worth. And I believe I love Beck's word this morning. That's not where God would have you be. I love Barry's word this morning. That is not where God would have you be. He, think, he does not think you are worthless. That's your mind. They're your thoughts. They're the thoughts of the deceiver, not of my God. So it's not about being a mat on the floor for everyone to walk over. That's not humility. It's not one or the other. I'm going to say, church, I believe it's both. It's grace. And that's what God gives us when we're humble. And it's truth. And we're going to see in the scripture that the two must be blended together. They must coexist. Micah 6 verse 8. In the New King James Version, that's where most of the scriptures are going to be coming from this morning. And there's a lot of scripture. As I said, God, that's how he prepares me for a sermon. He shows me this. He leads me there. And, and then we cut through it. I've, I have cut back. I've, I can show more scriptures if you like, but this one's cut back. And there's still a lot of scripture. Elise, who put the scriptures in this morning, thank you, team, that works behind the scenes. This wouldn't be the same service without you. But Elise said, are you having a competition with your brother to see who can use the most scripture? And I promise you it's not. Grace and truth. How does humility look? Micah 6 verse 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, 
to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. One phrase I came across recently encouraged me how to get this balance right. So, to love mercy, to walk humbly and to do justly. It encouraged me to walk in humility in the flesh. Yet to remember to make a stand and hold whole authority, all authority in spiritual matters. Church is a fine line. Being humble with men, with people, not putting myself first, not self-promoting. But we are never told in the Bible to be humble towards the deceiver, towards Satan, to let him take ground that is not his. I'm going to let that one settle for a moment. Luke 4.18 teaches us this balance of humility and spiritual authority. It reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's authority. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. That's authority. To the poor. That's humility. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Authority in the spirit, humility in the flesh. Being humble in the flesh means you don't engage to win unless it's a spiritual battle. The win is to never make you feel superior over another person. You simply choose to be kind over right. You choose peace constantly. It's amazing that God teaches us all these things in many different ways through Scripture. Proverbs 16, 18 is always the first one that comes to me. Sometimes we get paraphrased or different versions might say pride comes before a fall. But Proverbs 16, 18 in the New King James Version says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Wouldn't it be interesting, wouldn't life be fascinating to watch if every time even a little bit of subtle pride came in, it would cause a physical fall? I'm not sure about you. I would need probably a few rolls of bubble wrap for myself. I was going to go the knee pads, but I don't think that would be enough. Wouldn't that be interesting, though? How quickly would it... Oh, I'm a slow learner. I've written down how quickly would it, would it lead me to learn the lesson about not being prideful, but no guarantees with that for myself. Eventually, I might get it. Using the example of my tendency to, to make judgments before, my judgments come from a heart of pride. It's when I've, I've leant over to this way and I'm making a judgment that is not mine to make. The Bible warns again and again and again and again. The measure you judge with, that's how you'll be judged. Ooh, ouch. Careful. But wouldn't it be interesting if my pride 
caused me to, and there, I was going to do this a lot more elaborately, but I'm just going to pretend I'm falling in slow motion as I'm ranting about as I'm ranting about the judgments that I've made about other people. God, they, they shouldn't be doing life like that. That's not how you live a Christian walk. That's not how you pray. That's not, sometimes we can even spiritualise it. He didn't even say amen on the end. Oh God, I don't think that's right. It'd be interesting if it physically made us fall. But what I'm talking about is our God who just, he's so good. He's so good. Because what I find, when I've often falling is a lot messier than what just happened, but often what I find is I'm on my knees. I'm sitting in the embarrassment, the guilt, and the shame that we spoke about earlier. My prayer is that I've fallen towards this place where I'm actually humble before God. It's when I start to see things from the way he sees them. It's when I start to hear, Jamie, that's not how I see them. They're my treasured possession. They're my child. How dare you? They're my creation. Don't talk about them. Don't think about them like that. But I'm in a place on my knees, ready for prayer, seeking the one who can make lasting change in my life. Romans 12.2 teaches us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In these times where I've been humbled, and I've had those times, and I'm going to say they're still going to come. It's the one way that God shaves, change, things that need to change off me. But I see things from others points of view from other people's when he drops those pennies into my heart that go Jamie you have no idea what that person's been through you have no idea why they're making the decisions today that they're now making and I start to see things from God's view the only one that matters can I encourage you God's view is not to leave people where they're at and that's where we can balance it with those places of spiritual authority. I praise God, though, that this doesn't always happen. I don't physically fall every time. I, I praise him that he's actually given me so many other ways to teach me, to encourage me to get right back on the right track by his standards. I'm going to share seven points this morning, and that's a lot. There's a lot of scripture that goes with it. There's seven, that's what God said. There's seven, you might be great in all of these areas. I want, to, I want you to take it as an encouragement. This is not a message of correction. Oh, I pray, I've been praying and praying and praying this would be received. Areas that you have right in, in this area that you would take as encouragement, keep on doing. My encouragement would still be, though, look at some of these seven areas and pray asking God to help you take steps that line up with his view of humility.
Seek God, sing his praises, surrender your will, stay curious, submit to others, speak of the goodness of God, sincerely love. Are we ready to break them down? Would that be okay? couple of spiritual, I don't just want this to be Jamie's message, there's a couple of scriptures that back each of these up. So to cultivate humility in my life, in our lives, number one, seek God, not self. Seek God in the word, seek to know the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Seek him Because biblical humility is grounded in the nature and the character of God. The Father descends to help the poor and the afflicted. He he then instructs us to. The incarnate Son, Jesus Christ, he manifests humility from birth until his crucifixion. Jesus, the ultimate act of humility. Look to him. Seek God in every situation. I love how 1 Peter Chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, instructs us to humble, our, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Church, that's how we seek God. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. told you it was right the way through the Bible. Can everyone turn to the book of Zephaniah, please? You don't have to. Would everyone be able to turn to the book of Zephaniah? Does anyone know there's a book of Zephaniah? Yes, all right, good. Um, Zephaniah 2 verse 3 says, Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld his justice, seek righteousness, Seek humility, it may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. Seek God in his fullness because everything comes from him. A great way to do this, and the second point, or second way to cultivate humility, sing praises to the Lord. Have a song in your heart. My feelings, I find my feelings of defensiveness or destructiveness that come from pride are greatly reduced when I have a sweet song in my spirit. This includes what I allow to speak into my spirit, what I listen to, what's on the radio, what music am I listening to, whose voices around me am I hearing. Be aware of what you're listening to. And be aware of what you watch. All of these impact my general disposition. I don't know about you, but when I'm snappy, cranky or angry, humility seems to march straight out of the door. And pride takes over. Psalms 9 verses 11 and 12 instructs us to sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the people. When he avenges blood, he remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the humble. Sing praises to the Lord. 
Sing praises to the Lord. How, that, how might that sound to you? Perhaps you don't have a singing voice. God doesn't care. Perhaps you're a little embarrassed to have someone else hear you. Sing praises in your heart. Sing praises in your mind. Let those words resonate and build up. Be aware of what you're watching, what you're listening to. and Get a little joy in your spirit. What I find is while we're singing praise to God, it prevents us from singing our own praises. Proverbs 27 verse 2 warns us or tells us to let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Don't speak your own self. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth. Church, I'm going to take that one step further, not to add to the word of God. Let God praise you. Some people, and I see children, I work with a lot of children that are uncomfortable with praise. What I want is for God's words of, well done, good and faithful servant. I would like to hear those words spoken over me. That's the way my God speaks over me. Thirdly, the third point, we'll move through them fairly quickly, but there's a couple of scriptures for each one. Submit with a heart to serve others, to cultivate humility. How do we get this right? Submit with a heart to serve others. 1 Peter 5 verse 5 says, Likewise, you younger people... And anyone puts them in the older age bracket can take a sigh of relief for a brief second. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. No one said amen. (laughs) Wasn't a trap, but I am going to read on. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Was there a little twist in there? Likewise, younger people, submit yourselves to the elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Submit with a heart to serve others, church. The importance of humility is directly related to the deadly consequences of pride. Pride separates us from God. So the fourth point, surrender your will. John 3 verse 30 says, He must increase, but I must decrease. Philippians 2 verses 5 to 11 reads, let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death 
of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Cultivate, cultivate humility by surrendering your will. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Number five, cultivate humility by staying curious. As I said earlier, sometimes the subtle forms of pride can be when I think I already know it. And that leads me to start presuming that I know what the person opposite or the people opposite me are going to say before I've even heard what they're communicating. Cultivate humility by staying curious. Doing this allows you to hear and understand instead of listening to respond, which often has the underlying motivation of presenting myself in a certain way. I'm almost waiting to trump the next person's thought with, with something that I could be escalated or elevated with. Will they think I'm smart if I trump their, their conversation, if I trump their sentence with something that's even better? We, if we're not careful, if we don't stay curious and listen to what they're saying, we can engage in a way that leads to pride. Staying curious also builds respect and it allows for authenticity. Philippians 2 Verses 3 and 4 say, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, lowliness, not loneliness, lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Church, how can we look out for the interests of others if we're not even curious about them? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 to 26 says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition. In humility. It doesn't say not correct, but in humility. Correct those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, then they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Church, what I find in, is, is we sometimes aren't great in engaging in spiritual conversations because we're so ready to tell them what we know and how it should be. And we may know the truth, but when we present it in a way that they're not going to hear... Is there a purpose or a point? Respectful conversation. I don't have to believe. Sometimes we're challenged. I don't have to believe your viewpoint. I don't have to worship your God. I don't have to attribute or, or ascribe to anything that the other person is saying. But when we form a respectful relationship and conversation that enjoys cultivating curiosity, we remain humble I'm often amazed how many times in those moments God reveals something new, a new element, a new understanding to me. 
Number six, speak of the goodness of God to combat pride and cultivate humility. Knowing that as we see in Romans 2 verse 4, it is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. When we speak of the goodness of God and care about the souls of others, pointing them to Him, even when we are feeling crushed or downtrodden, then we realise that our humility makes an eternal impact. The importance of getting humility right, of practising it, cultivating it. Job 22, verses 28 to 30. You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you, so light will shine on your ways. When they cast you down and you say, exaltation will come, then he will save the humble person. He will even deliver the one who is not innocent. Yes, he will be delivered by the purity of your hands. When I'm feeling downtrodden and I exalt, God steps into those spaces. Psalms 34, verses 1 to 4, says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Speaking of the goodness of God, this is an example. Read through the Psalms. Get, use, start to use language that speaks the goodness of God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. And all of this culminates into the seventh way to cultivate humility. The seven ways that God's given so far. There's more. There's way more. But the seventh one I have for you this morning is sincerely love. The seventh one out of the message that God has given to share this morning is sincerely love. Church, for this I'm, I'm going to ask that you maybe close your eyes and just listen to these words. I love how Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 to 11 read in the Message Bible. Now we've read lots of Philippians, we've read lots of chapter 2. I'm going to read it out in the Message Bible and I pray that this would speak to your heart. This would bring about the change and help to cultivate humility. It reads, If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ... If his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favour. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited, friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others to get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what? Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity 
And he took on the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honoured him far beyond anyone or anything ever so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ. And I call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honour of God the Father. Church, when we choose to follow Christ in his ways, when we seek God, we combat pride, we cultivate humility. When we sing praises to the Lord, we prevent ourselves from speaking proudly of ourselves. When we surrender our will, we combat pride and cultivate humility. When we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we submit to others, when we stay curious, when we speak of the goodness of God and we sincerely love, we combat pride, we cultivate humility. And final encouragement before I ask Karen to come up, Karen to come up and, and share communion with us this morning. James 4.6 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I'd prefer God's grace than his opposition. I've got enough things against me. I want a God who's for me. I even love how Webster's, Merriam-Webster, the dictionary simply defines humility as freedom from pride or arrogance. Freedom. If you want freedom this morning, seek God first. Put Him first. Seek humility. Seek His ways. Open your word in your own time. Let the Bible come alive. Speak to you. Let Holy Spirit tap you on the shoulder. Let Him wrap His arms around you and love you right where you're at. Heavenly Father, this morning I pray that I thank you that you are the God of transformation, that we can meet you anywhere on our journey. And Lord God, you don't just leave us there. You walk along with us. Lord God, I pray that in this place today we would all make a decision to cultivate humility, to walk out a Christian life, Lord God, because it's for our best. May, may we bring glory and honour to you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.